Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 724 of the Juicebox Podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Thomas. He's in his early 20s, a medical student, and he speaks funny. So don't make fun of him when you hear it. It's not polite to make fun of the way people talk. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast. <laughs> I'm making myself laugh now. I probably shouldn't have said that about how Thomas speaks, but whatever. Oh, yeah. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, please consider going to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Join the registry, take the survey. The whole thing should take fewer than 10 minutes. When you answer these simple questions about type 1 diabetes, you'll be helping people living with type 1 and supporting the juice box podcast. Super simple to do, takes no time at all. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitoring System. Head over to Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox right now to get started or to learn more. The podcast is also sponsored today by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash and the Omnipod 5. You may be eligible for a free 30-day supply of the Omnipod Dash. Go find out at omnipod.com forward slash juice box. I probably should have said you might be eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6 too, but I forgot to say it, so now it's too late. Because of me, am I forcing you into the basement? No, uh, kind of. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, it's a spare room we have because I live in student accommodation. Oh, okay. And my, my current bedroom, um, because we live by a main road, sounds like, like well, live by a, main a main road. road. Yeah. Yeah. So I came down here, which is cooler. It's cold, well, I <laughs> but I'm fine. I've got a warm blanket over me. So <laughs> I appreciate the effort very much. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I know sometimes I'm talking to people, and I. By the way, the recording runs constantly, so it's running now. Um, oh, that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm talking to people, and and uh, I'm like, you know, are you like? I hear trucks and cars, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, the the back side of the house faces towards the road. I was like, could you go to the front side of the house? <laughs> Because we're recording a podcast. It's audio, you know? And oh, yeah, I didn't think that would matter. I'm like, can you hear the car? <laughs> <laughs> See, even down here, I can hear the cars, and I'm going, oh, no, is this going to be, no, is this going to cause issues? I can, I, I don't hear it. I hear you testing your blood sugar, but I don't hear that. Are you testing your blood sugar? <laughs> right now? Yeah. No. You're not? What's that? Then I heard a click or something like that. Never. Hang on, maybe, is it this? Yes. Okay, I won't, I will not tap that then. Stop <laughs> Stop being alive while we're doing this. Just sit perfectly still. Stop doing whatever I was doing. I will stop doing. I, I was I irritated with myself. I was I listened back to the show I put up yesterday, and in the first fifteen minutes, I don't know what I was doing, but I must have been turning my head and looking at a different computer while I was recording. And so once in a while, I would hear my my voice go in and out, and it was making me crazy. And I thought I'm probably the only one that cares about this. But you know, 
no one else will notice. But you're just so hyper aware. I just, I'm just listening. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm an idiot. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, um, so the way this goes, I don't know how much you listen or don't listen, um, but the way it goes is you just introduce yourself and we start talking, and it's over when it's over. So, so sounds great. I Excellent. mean, yeah, I, I think I've been listening for about. I won't go into that. I've been listening for about a year now, anyway. So okay. Right, it's, it's, do you know what? It's really odd because it feels like I'm just listening to the podcast. Your voice is so recognizable. It's, 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 it's almost like it's soothing. It's like a, a ho- I've moved house many a time. And yet this, you are one of the constants in my life, Scott. Oh, well, that's <laughs> lovely and odd. And I appreciate it. <laughs> so my, um, yeah. my, my wife and I uh, went and saw To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway. On Sunday, it was oh wow! Jeff Daniels' last performance, and we went to see it. And uh, we're standing outside, um, off of Forty Fifth, I think. And you know, we're in line, just waiting to to queue in and waiting for them to open the doors. And there's hundreds and hundreds of people out there. And my mm-hmm. wife looks at me, and she doesn't usually talk about stuff like this. She goes, "Do you think one of these people listens to your podcast?" And I thought, I guess it's possible. Like I, and then we started talking. I was like, I wonder how many like random people we'd have to pull together before we could say, you know, who watches Curb Your Enthusiasm? Raise your hand. Who does this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, who knows who James Corden is? Raise your hand. You know, uh, do you listen to the Juice Box podcast? I'm like, I wonder how many people we'd have to pull together to randomly see. And I told her, my one concern is that one day someone's just going to turn to me and recognize my voice. Like, I don't, like, I wouldn't be bothered by it, but I think that one day it's going to happen. Someone's just going to look me in the face and be like, are you the guy from the thing? Um, I recognize you. Yeah. If that ever happens, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm putting that on my headstone when I die. (laughs) I I think you will be, I think you'll be surprised actually how, how, if you did get people to vote, I think you'd be surprised how, how quickly you eventually would find someone. Even just asking how many of you have type one diabetes, like there's gotta be, you know, people there. Although, you know. As I say this, it's happened to me twice. I've been recognized in an airport um, visually, which I didn't like. And I was on a small transport bus with maybe just eight or ten people. And I was speaking to someone. And the woman on the other side of me like put her hand on me and was like, are you Scott? And I was like, what? I guess now I've realized that this has already happened. I'm just an idiot. I don't even remember. Um, but, yeah, she's like, are you Scott? I listened to your podcast. And that was oh. weird because everyone in the bus was like, wait, that guy is somehow like she knows him. <laughs> it, it was, <laughs> wait, were, they, were you just mundanely that day or something? They were shocked. You're not like a dressed like a superstar. I, I, I wouldn't even know how to do that, <laughs> Thomas. I, I mean, how would a superstar dress? <laughs> you know what? Soon, soon you'll be recognized everywhere. I, from what I'm hearing you put on the, uh, the Facebook group, you're... you're mm-hmm. Well, more and more listeners seem to be happening by the day. I'm going to have to do a sit-up then, if that's the case. So, <laughs> at least one. <laughs> anyway, uh, you go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, um, so my name's Thomas, and I am a British type 1 diabetic, and I'm also a medical student, and I'm 22. Yeah. Excellent. So, you're a medical student. Uh, unfortunately unfortunately how come <laughs> why unfortunately there's a lot this stress stress it's stressful and there's a lot there's a lot to do but it's fun at the end of the day mm. a lot it, pace always doing something always busy there's always things to learn yeah um and there's a lot to do and it's a very dim, kind of 
uh, it's it's very demanding in a different way to maybe use my usual work because uh, we often jump from hospital to hospital at least how they do it in the uk and i will apologize but at the beginning a i ramble scott so you you do need to uh i'll, I'll ring you in if, if i, I get worried too much. Yeah. and the second one is uh, if i use any medical jargon or any british isms you also gonna have to tell me because i'm gonna i feel like i'm gonna say things and they may Amer- the american language is a different language to me sometimes so no that's fine i if I'll, you don't uh, use some british isms i'm gonna be upset that's <laughs> 75% I'm just excited for you to impersonate my accent at some point. I don't know if I can. I'm trying to figure out who <laughs> who who famous you sound like. Um, but um I'll figure it out because you do sound like somebody to me. I just can't think of who it is at the moment. You're you're going to have to tell me. I'm I'm scared. Is this going to be a compliment or you're going to insult me? But no, I know. I how would I insult <laughs> you? I wouldn't even know how to insult you. Although I did learn uh, recently speaking to someone that uh, there are portions of the. I guess parts of England where you don't want to sound like other people and they don't want to sound like you. Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of dial there's a lot of like uh, accents in the UK, mm-hmm. and um, I think people would say that my accents. I think I've maybe come across posh, which is has negative intentions to it. But I'm my but then there's like the Yorkshire accent or the Welsh accent, the Scottish accent. But even within those areas like there's like many different types of a scottish accent there's many different types of a yeah. you know a southern accent so well I, I say once in a while my brother-in-law is from scotland i don't understand a damn word he's saying so and just, <laughs> to be fair there's some scottish accents where even i don't understand what they're saying so I, in my mind worry. he mumbles and then yells i that's pretty much <laughs> that's yeah well that's yeah that's pretty accurate actually well you're not a little idea in the eye and i'm like oh, i don't know what jim i don't know what you're saying like, oh. so i just listen for keywords and intent and i watch his face and i wonder if he i hope he listens to this one day i would love for him to realize that i, I only understand about 33 percent of what he's saying so you're, yeah you're just there nodding all the time and he thinks you're fully understanding and then one day he'll hear this and he'll <laughs> He'd be very upset. <laughs> he just thought, oh my gosh, I thought everyone really was down with what I was saying. <laughs> so that's something. Um, okay, when were you diagnosed with type 1? So uh, I was diagnosed um, on the, ooh, it was April 2009. Oh, okay. I, I think the 20th of April 2009. There you go. So I've been, I've been diabetic now for 12, 13 years. Uh, 13 years okay yeah 13 nearly 14 actually what were you like eight years old nine i must have been i think i just turned 10 10 okay wow That's, uh, so i was born in 1999 i'm just in you were born in 1999 10 years after i graduated from high school great okay <laughs> lovely um do you remember much about being diagnosed or how it was handled so i remember be so i remember being in we were in portugal at the time and on holiday in Portugal, and I remember being, you know, really thirsty and weeing loads. And my dad had got into his head that, <laughs> for some reason, in in certain countries you couldn't drink the tap water. And I don't know if this is actually true or not. I've, but he he got in his head you can't drink the tap water in a different country because they they treat the water differently or something. I don't know if they, he got that in his head. Mm-hmm. And so my dad would buy either. He would buy his like apple juice in these cartons from the local shop, and I remember being so thirsty, so I'd, I'd, I would drink some apple juice, 
and then I'd reload. And then I, because I was thirsty, just drink more apple juice. <laughs> so I'm just consuming sugar every time I'm drinking and yeah. then weeing out this sugar. And this just went on and on and on um, until we were walking through some street in Portugal and it had been like a few seconds since I last went to the toilet and my dad tells me from memory that apparently I was just like, we had to just wee, I had to just wee on the street because I was weeing that much. <laughs> it was almost like they, <laughs> I was just having to wee in the middle of the street in like this back alley in the middle of Portugal somewhere. Um, this was an indication yeah. to them that your health was poor or that you were well I think, hydrated? <laughs> I think this was where the maybe the alarm bells went off a bit. Yeah. yeah. I would at least stop um, buying the apple juice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it was just the constant consuming of apple juice that made things worse. I mean, I remember result giving up on not drinking tap water and just drinking loads of tap water because it just got to the point where I was that thirsty that we ran out of apple juice. <laughs> um, like, I'm afraid of so, the tap water, but we're, something's got to be done. Um, I, the apple juice market in Portugal that year must have, you know, I was I was holding up the economy, the local <laughs> apple juice economy. <laughs> um, children everywhere can't get their juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, and then we, f- we flew back to the UK, uh, and I'm from uh, Nottingham. And um, so we, I remember land. I remember we got back, and I, it was the Easter holidays, and I went back to school. And my dad picked me up halfway through the school day, and because he managed to get me a, a, an appointment with a doctor. And um, we went to the doctor, and I think you know took my blood sugar for something like twenty three. Mm. And oh, I realise I've got to got to convert this over. So twenty three is probably about four hundred, I think. Well, I'm just going to go to juiceboxpodcast.com and click on blood glucose calculator, and then do millimoles and twenty three, and tell you that it was four fourteen. Yes, and your wow. and your average A one C at that blood sugar is sixteen. Oof. That, okay. Yeah. So luckily you were standing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. I never actually converted that to anyone. See, that's quite high. Mm. Um, so yeah. Uh, and I think my dad was, my dad was onto it a bit more because the days before we went to the gym, when we landed, there was a few days before my school, school started and went to see the doctor. He'd um, had some um, ketone weeing sticks. So I, you know, weed on these sticks. And I remember my dad looking, he was a bit disturbed and he bought me a glucose um, checker and, you know, took a blood sample and checked my blood sugar. And, um, you know, he, he was, it was high and he was worried. And my grandma was a type two diabetic. So my dad kind of knew. Okay. Something was, Some of the you know, he yeah. He wasn't completely, I mean, type 2 is a very different condition itself, but he, he knew what was kind of going on because he vaguely remembered it from my mum. I understand. Uh, from his grand, his mum, sorry. Um, and so the, the GP looked at this blood sugar. Sorry, I'm darting around. The GP looked at this blood sugar and went, well, go straight to hospital. So my dad drives me to the local hospital and um, um, and remember just having a few blood tests done. And from all, all I remember is meeting my, my diabetic nurse that day and who I had for the first years of my treatment. And he was called Matt and he was lovely and fantastic. And he was also a tight one himself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he kind of understood a lot more. Right. Um, and I remember him, you know, 
vividly this bit, telling my dad that I had diabetes. And I just remember my dad crying. (laughs) And me, you know, trying to comfort him, this little 10-year-old boy going, oh, it's it's okay, it's okay. (laughs) But then me crying too. And I think it's that like... uh, and you kind of think, I always, you know, you kind of see your dad when you're younger as this kind of, you know, he's, he's like a superhero. Mm. It was the first time I saw my, my dad cry um, and also sort of cry about something that was happening to me. And I was a bit like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, um, I can remember when I would, uh, when I started looking at my son and realizing he thinks he's smarter than me and he might be right. And I was like, oh, geez, the illusion's over now. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> By the way, I have to tell you, uh, it's uh, apropos of nothing, but you basically were in Portugal, then you went home. So you went wee, wee, wee all the way home. And I, <laughs> I don't know if the um, Three Little Pigs like reference gets to you or not, but it's been stuck in my head the whole time. And if I don't say it to you, then it's just going to be there the entire time we're talking. So no, I'm glad you know, we have the, we have the three pigs over here as well. Yeah. <laughs> I've never thought of it like that, but I feel like that's a good, uh, can, can we, a good summary of what happened. Can we break something down that I, I never understand. And maybe you're the one who tell, will explain it to me. Go ahead. Okay. You went to the local hospital, but your GP told you to go to hospital. So you guys don't say go to the hospital, but you said go to the local hospital. Why does the word the get dropped? Like you go, like when you, (laughs) right, you went to university, you go to university. You don't go to a university or the university or my university. Why does the word the get dropped out of some of those uses? Um, Is it colloquial? So I know that I'm, I'm trying to check. So where my dad's from, they don't say the. So um, they'll say things like get on bus, which means get on the bus. Mm-hmm. And they drop the the a lot of the time. In terms of, but um, yeah, I've, I think that's probably a dialect. I think that's a local thing. Okay. All right. I just. <laughs> I mean, we just don't say the. I'm, I, I'm fascinated by it. And then sometimes I'll get stuck. If it happens in the conversation, I'll start saying it. I'm like, why am I dropping the? <laughs> and... <laughs> I, I just thought there was a reason, but it's got to be colloquial. I don't know. Somebody's going to tell me one day. I actually am very interested I in that. I think so. I just, I'm never, I never come close but to you would. I don't think you'd ever say, I go to the university. You say, I go to university. Right. Because here like, you'd say, I go to college. So you don't say, I go yes. to the college. Yeah. Yeah. You don't say, I go to the college. So in the same way for, yeah, in that instance, you would, you go to university. Hmm. So college is yeah. a, is a, is a fixture in your life not a specific place, right? Like you go to the yeah. restaurant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That right. make, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But hospital gets picked up into that for some reason. Go to hospital. I'm going to go to hospital. All right, I don't, I mean, listen. I think that my, that's probably a, di- that is my dialect and I'm slipping at my verse, so. I, also, I, I, like, might, I might have awful English as well. <laughs> my I, English is awful. I liked earlier that you were like, you know, my accent can be considered posh and that's not great. And then you were like, so we were, and then you told me you were vacationing in Portugal. And the way you said it, I was like, oh, that's why people think that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you know, the thing is, when I first meet someone, I'm very, I I, I, I don't know, I put like, I, I don't know, I, I get conscious and I think I pronounce things more maybe. Right. But yeah. when I... When people know me, I'll start, you know, I start dropping a lot of more locals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I become like more this- Yorkshire for some reason. Really? I become more Yorkshire. That's interesting. Okay. So do you leave the hospital with a pen or needles or how do you manage in the early days and who takes care of you? You mentioned your dad a lot, but I haven't heard about a mom. Do you 
I have I have a mum. Sorry, yeah, my, I have a mum. My dad was just um, there, there, and he okay. was the one dealing with it that day. Okay, um, I was lucky enough that they wanted to keep me in the hospital, um, and my dad was like, "No," and not in like a you know refusing treatment way, but was like, "Well, why can't you go home?" And they didn't really have a good reason. And I think at the time it was kind of standard you stayed in and mm. for a bit. But my dad was like, "Well, he's not that unwell. Can we?" take him home and I remember my dad taking me home that day and I had an, I had an injection pen I think I had I had Lantus and Humalog I think mm-hmm. and I remember my dad buying me a hamster on the way home <laughs> because I think he I think he I think he felt bad for me and so I was just like this is this is great you know I'm do I you know I get a hamster for this like you know this is great i love going to the hospital i get hamsters <laughs> um the hamsters since died but um you're still going that's good i'm still going <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah um i went home and i had um was injecting and my i remember they they've at the time i think it was standard to kind of be on injections f- for a long time but my consultant really wanted me on a pump I was mm-hmm. like, we're going to get you on a pump. So I think six months later, I was put on a pump. That must have had something to do with the fact that your nurse consultant had diabetes. They probably. You I th- think they bumped me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's probably like, you know, knows the benefits of it. And, you know, your dad came off as confident and which might yes. have been helpful too. Do, do you have any idea how you were doing? Um, I was, I was talking to my, my son about this the other day and I told him how, one of the fascinating things about making the podcast is when you ask somebody about their health, like, Hey, how's it going? They go great, but there's no context to it. They just say they're doing Mm -hmm. great. Um, and I, I've come to believe that doing great meant I didn't pass out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like when you talk to people who've had type one for a little longer, but they don't like, if you asked me, how's Arden's health been, uh, diabetes related through her life, I would instantly tell you, that in the first number of years, her A1C was, you know, in the eights. Then I got into the sevens, uh, down to the sixes, started figuring it out. Then I was able to really pull it down, down, down into the fives. And now it's been between five, two and six, two for like seven years. And that's how I think of her success. I mean, I would, if you asked me to continue, I would talk about limited variability, um, keeping spikes at a minimum, not getting low frequently, stuff like that. But I think of it that way. Whereas you talk to somebody who's had type one for longer and they're just like, well, I didn't get dizzy at school. Everything was fine. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Right? yeah. It's just interesting because <laughs> the measurement tools have changed. So do you think of, like, what do you think of successful now for you? Like, what is it you're shooting for day to day? And what was happening back then or did you not know? Oh, um, so in the early days, my blood sugar I was definitely honeymooning. Mm-hmm. Um, my regime was, um, so I think it was 10 units at, at every meal. I think breakfast was a bit less, but the same units of insulin at every meal. So there's no carb counting. Um, and of course I had to manually, well, I say manually, uh, I had to actually, you know, prick my finger, get some blood, you know, what I seem as the old fashioned way now. Mm-hmm. And, so, but initially my, bl- my blood sugars were, I think I was, I had a five point something A1C. Um, and they were happy with that and they thought, great. And I was like, oh, great. You know, this isn't that bad. 
I, in hindsight, I realized I was honeymooning. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put me on the pump and that was great. And I love my pump. I had an animus, a green animus pump. The one before and, the ping, the animus, um, oh, I can't think of it. People talk about it all the time. I can't remember its name. I can't remember its, bra- I know it was an animus, but I can't remember what make of animus it was. Um, and it was cool. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm half robot because I've got this, you know, cool little box attached to me. Mm-hmm. But I used to do s- s- stupid things. I used to get a bus and a train to school. I used to commute quite far. And I would, um, you know, go and have a shower in the morning and un- unplug the pump. And then I'd get on a bus and a train to a different city, went to Leicester, <laughs> and my pump would be on my bed, <laughs> just sat there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, I've left it. My dad's there panicking and having to drive all the way and then dro- drop off this pump. Like silly things like that. Yeah. And I think, and I look back at my, so getting the pump and uh, was really a, a messy situation because when I from so I got my pump when I was ten, I was rem- taken off the pump when I was sixteen. Um, because you kept leaving it at home. No, because I wasn't testing my blood sugar enough. So I was what well, I then deemed myself a naughty diabetic, and I will always use this phrase "naughty diabetic," which is such a, a bad way of phrasing things. Um, but I'd always think, oh, I'm a naughty diabetic. I'm bad. You know, I'm not testing my blood sugar enough, and I got to that point where I was. And this is like when I'm like 13, 14, 15, and I'm trying to live like a normal life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your friends would your friends would run off and go eat, but you have to kind of stay behind. And that wasn't that is just not appealing to a 13, 14 year old. Or anyone That's, else. Honestly. <laughs> or anyone else, yeah, really. Yeah, right. Because we I didn't have the kind of, you know, understand like even people would tell me, oh, you know, long term effects. You just don't you don't feel that impact when you're young and stupid. <laughs> sure. So I um, re- wasn't good with my blood sugars, did not test my blood sugars. And then this is often, you know, a thing when I went to the clinic, they were like, well, you're not testing your blood sugars. And I was like, I know but I don't like to look at high blood sugars. You know, the classic, I'd rather not test and rather not know what my blood sugar is. Sure. No, I understand. <laughs> um, and, that's when my my dad found out that his his, his colleague he worked with had um, the freestyle Libra, um, and so we basically got hold of one of them, and then that definitely helped because I was able to see my blood sugars. But just after I got the freestyle Libra, they removed funding from my pump. Um, they, they deemed it unsafe for me to be on a pump because um, of your blood sugars. So it's an it's an odd one. They were saying because I wasn't testing my blood sugar. Okay. Um, I've spoken to people about it since, and th- um, they would they would argue they would never take a child off a pump um, if the child unless the child wanted to, because of mm-hmm. course there's benefits to MDI over pumping. Um, the, well, if you inject your basal insulin consistently, if you inject your yeah, yes. yeah, then there is. Um, they they took me off it because they. The, the argument was if the pump ever, something ever went wrong with the pump, say the, the pump stopped working or, you know, uh, something like that, or something where the pump didn't show an error, but it, something was off, I would have no idea that the pump wasn't working. Because you didn't um, test your blood sugar. Because I wasn't testing my blood sugar. Like, I was awful at testing my blood sugar. I can't explain to you, Scott, how bad I was at mm-hmm. testing my blood sugar. Days would go by? Um, you wouldn't do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think that, that honestly, I think there was one time I looked back and went, I can't remember the last time I tested my blood sugar. I think there was a point when I was like 15, 16. And these are like the horrible years where, you know, my mum would go test your blood sugar. And I'm like, I've already done it, even though I haven't, I hadn't, mm. because I was just being a difficult <laughs> teenager. And I look back on that now and I go, what, what was I, what was I thinking? Well, um, you know, last night Arden's CGM expired and we had to put on a new one. So we're in that two hour window on the G6 waiting for it to come back up. Mm. And she's like, I'm going to go get a shower. And I was like, oh, that's great. Just test your blood sugar first. She goes, I'm fine. And I'm washing dishes and I stop and I dry my hands. I turn to her and I say, Arden, I say this to you all the time. I'm going to say it again. If how you felt was the marker of type one diabetes and you wouldn't need the CGM. We wouldn't need that contour meter. And we would just ask you how you felt and then give you insulin because that's how that would work. Uh, please test your blood sugar. She tests her blood sugar and she turns the meter to me and she goes, I'm 87. I'm going to go take a shower. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause you're slightly hoping that it was just like something was slightly wrong with that blood sugar. You could prove your point. I thought we could just have a, a, a nice moment where I was right. And she learned something. <laughs> And instead, she was like, I told you I feel okay. I was like, son of a bitch. Uh. <laughs> but I just smiled, and I was like, well, this time it worked out. But now you know. Aren't you happy to know what your blood sugar is? And she just got up and walked away. And I was like, oh, <laughs> never mind. Uh, I was thwarted pretty pretty uh, drastically. But So basically what happens here is, just for people who are maybe not sure, two things I want to bring up. First thing is, Thomas, you must really understand when I do an Omnipod ad and I say, listen, one of, the thing, one of the great things about Omnipod is you don't have to disconnect to take a shower or to go swimming. Mm. The rest of that sentence is because you know you're going to forget to put it back on again, y mm. you know, or because if you are swimming for an hour or, you know, et cetera, you're a long time without basil, not good. Um, so that must resonate with you, I imagine. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, but my, yeah. my bigger thought here is, if people are not understanding exactly why they would have taken your pump, it is kind of basic thinking, but at least if you're MDI, you're shooting Lantus or Levomir or some sort of long acting basal insulin every day. So, you know, you at least have that background insulin going, but your pump is delivering your background insulin as well as your meal boluses. So when yeah. you switch to a pump, Thomas, I know you know this, but I was reminded yesterday that people don't know this all the time. When you switch to a pump, your pump is now handling your basal insulin with a fast-acting insulin. So instead of giving you one big injection once a day of, you know, Levomir or Lantus, your pump has taken that number and it's breaking it down over 24 hours and giving you little bits of it constantly to keep you stable. So if your pump should stop working, gets knocked off, you take it off, forget to put it back on, you suddenly have no insulin in your body. And that is the very fast way to DKA. Um and, and that can come on you very quickly and be life-threatening and, and very dangerous. So um, anyway, that's kind of in a nutshell why somebody would have said that to you. And it seems fair yeah. in your situation because you were testing on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was bad. And I look back and I go, what was I, what was I doing? But I think I was – what happened was I, I'd gone from injecting to this pump very quickly. And I think in my head I thought I was – I thought I, I, I didn't have diabetes and I was living my life like I didn't have diabetes. Mm -hmm. And I, and the, the thing that made was bad for me is I, I've never been hospitalized. Well, in a good way, I've never been hospitalized with my diabetes. But it also but, makes you feel like it's never going to happen. Exactly. So right. I've never, I never had a, it wasn't like, oh, I, I felt 
so awful one day and I, you know, and, and I was in hospital and I had to stay in hospital for weeks and I never had that. So there was, and that, and it's good that I never had that, but it's, I never had that feedback. So it's like, it doesn't matter. Like what happens if I don't, it doesn't matter if I don't test my blood sugar for a week. Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely does, <laughs> but that yeah. was my mindset. Yeah. And um, yeah. So, and, and the way that, that works here is they just pull the funding. So you can, I could go out and buy a pump and fund a pump myself, but um, it's not going to come through what we would consider to be insurance or something like that. No. And yeah. and everything, you know, it's expensive. Right. So um, the pump was gone, but I had, I had the, the Libra um, and I know you said this before, but the, honestly, the, uh, technically Libra is a, a flash glucose monitor, but having um, your blood sugar data, is actually was way more valuable to me than than having the, the pump. A pump because yeah. it, it, I can still give myself insulin with an injection pen, but um, the knowing when, what my blood sugar values were doing after I've eaten or before I've eaten or when I've exercised or while I'm asleep at night, like that stuff you can't get without. If without you, Thomas, if you came to this house right now and told me you were taking the Omnipod out of here, I would meet you with force at the door. I want to be clear about that. But (laughs) but I agree with you. If I had to pick one, if there was a false choice where I had to pick one, I would pick a CGM over a pump. Mm. You know, it just, I I could do the other stuff with MDI, but without the data, it gets, I mean, you're just blind and you're testing constantly, Mm. uh, you know, um, to to get any kind of reasonable results. Uh, You know, it's funny. All this makes me think of a conversation I was having recently. And I, I don't know if you'll see the connection right away, but. I was talking to someone about why I believe there's community online uh, that's so open and um, you know honest about their diabetes around type one diabetes, but not type two diabetes. Like, why do type ones see this immediate need to get a hold on their their health quickly, where type twos don't? And I think that the one, I mean, the one thing that makes sense to me is that. Type 1 diabetes can kill you today, and type 2 diabetes feels like it'll kill you later. If you're using insulin, the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor will make knowledge your superpower. The Dexcom G6 will show you your blood sugar in real time, and it will indicate to you if that blood sugar is moving in a direction, like up or down, and if so, how quickly. And this is all at a glance. You can see this information either on your Dexcom receiver or on your Apple or iPhone device. Arden's blood sugar is 149 right now, and I just sent her a text that said, uh, push that BG. Look, these are our results and yours may vary, but I'm looking at a graph right now. I'm looking at the last time we used insulin, the last time she ate, And I'm thinking, we did not do a great job bolusing for that last meal. It's okay to correct this. I'm going to use the Dexcom to watch now as we correct. If she starts falling too quickly or not enough, I'll be able to see that in real time on my iPhone. And Arden can see it on her iPhone as well. The Dexcom G6 features customizable alerts and alarms, readings right on your smart device, Siri integration, And of course, you can share your data with up to 10 followers. Like I'm following Arden right now, I can do that, and so can nine other phones if we desire. 
Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Head to the link, learn more, and find out if you're eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. You can do that again at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you can't remember, Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Did you know that you may be eligible to get a free 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash right now? And if, in fact, you want to move on to the Omnipod 5 at some point, that's no problem either, because with the Omnipod Promise, you can upgrade to Omnipod 5 at any time through the pharmacy benefit once it's covered by your insurance. Learn more today at Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, you can read all about the Omnipod. Whether you want the Omnipod 5, which of course is the first and only tubeless automated insulin delivery system to integrate with Dexcom G6, or you just want the Omnipod Dash, everything you need to know is at Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Click on check my Omnipod coverage to see about your insurance coverage. You can click on Omnipod Dash free trial to learn more about that. If you just like to speak with a specialist, there's a tab for that as well. Talk to an Omnipod specialist. So whether you're looking to get away from your old insulin pump or you're using multiple daily injections and looking to upgrade, you can do that with Omnipod. Omnipod is a small wearable device that is waterproof, like you can shower with it or go swimming, whatever you wanna do. You don't have to take it off. Uh, it's not connected to anything like other pumps with tubing because it's tubeless and it's terrific. My daughter's been using one since she was four years old and she just turned 18. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. It is definitely worth checking out. For full safety risk information and free trial terms and conditions, plus Omnipod promise terms and conditions, visit Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. There are links in the show notes to Omnipod, Dexcom, and all of the sponsors. Those links also exist at juiceboxpodcast.com. Let's get back to Thomas. if it's going to, and that makes you feel like you have time. I think type ones don't feel like they have time. Like you, you don't have time not to understand this. You don't have time to not test. You don't, you can't just ignore it for a week. You can't do what you were saying, which is try to live like it's not like it doesn't exist because the truth is, is that its existence will come on you very quickly if you just try to plainly ignore it. So that wasn't happening to you. So you were doing enough. So were you just like blindly bolusing meals? Like just yes, okay. <laughs> and sometimes not even bolusing. I I I mean, I would either not bolus or eat a meal. And this was deep. This this was what I thought was this was a good day for me. Was if I um, ate a meal and and bolused after I ate that meal. That was that was a good afterwards day. Yeah, afterwards. So what was your, um, do you know what your A1C was around then? Like, I'm guessing it was like eight or nine. Uh, yeah. My, my, it might have even gone into the, yeah. It could have been higher, even. It could have been higher. Yeah. Um, you see where my guess yeah. comes from. It's from you're taking your yes. basal. I assume it's about right. You're not pre-bolusing, so you're spiking. Your meals are probably keeping you in the two to three hundreds most of the time, but they're not staying up there forever. Do you think you were getting low? Uh, do you know, I, I, I had, 
weirdly I had really good hyper awareness and I think that was simply because I was running high so time so so much of the time that when I was going low it was probably because I put way too much insulin and I'm really feeling it so and then I would just eat and I would and so and, and this is true I would I would feel low and I wouldn't test my blood sugar I would just eat food that was going to be my question so you don't know <laughs> right you don't know if you were actually low like numerically dangerously low or if you were just feeling like you could have felt low at like you know, a blood sugar of, um, hold on a second, like 150, um, mm. which would be like 11, or excuse me, like 115 for you is 270, right? So say yeah. you... Say so you, 10 is 180 for us. Right. So, so you, 180 is 10 for you. So you could have you could have felt low at a 10 or a 180 and been eating when you really probably should have just wrote it out, but your body was probably so accustomed to being high that you might... And we don't even know because you didn't... Yeah, we don't know. You didn't test once is, to find out. <laughs> This is like the my threshold for feeling low would have probably completely changed. I know when when yeah. especially when I started to actually you know take this seriously, I remember feeling low at, at um, you know values which now I don't feel low at um, mm -hmm. yeah, because I was sure. adjusting. I've all of a sudden was was <laughs> was having blood sugars at you know a uh, hundred, and I was. Which I should I feel fine at now, but I was feeling low at because my body has become so accustomed to thinking that this was low. <laughs> right? No, it's very true. Um, I talk yeah. to a lot of people that when they're bringing their blood sugars down, the thing I have to tell them is, look, if you you might feel dizzy at 110, um, you're not in danger, but you are dizzy. Like the dizzy, the dizzy doesn't make the dizziness any less real, you know, or that feeling any less real. And you kind of have to bring your blood sugar. That's why people talk about bringing your blood sugar down more slowly. I mean, those are your decisions. You're either going to bring it down slowly so that that can, you know, do that, or you're going to live through some dizziness at, at, at uh, you know, at numbers that aren't actually physically dangerous, except for, you know, these now, these side effects. So when, how old were you when you, I mean, you just said took it seriously and what made you do it? Um, so probably about, Three years ago, two, three, two years ago. So I must have been nineteen twenty. So I was at university at this point, and um, and this is you know with my placement and going around on the wards, I would see and meet people who um, were had kind of suffered the consequences of maybe what I was doing, and um, that was a that was a kick. I think I just grew up as well. I think I, w I matured later than I would have liked and realized that I was just doing a lot of damage to myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I just remember getting sick and tired of it all. And I went, I'm going to sort this out. And I, um, I don't quite know how I did it really. The pod I mean, this podcast was, it's like, if, you know, I, when I'm older, I want to be an endocrinologist. Um, because I kind of, you know, I have invested interest and this would be the, just prescribe this, just prescribe this podcast. It's, it's fantastic. And I'm, I'll, I will, I will, uh, I will, I will sing your praises, which is what I can probably tell you're blushing, um, on the other side of this. I'm just being quiet, but, trying to figure out where I jump in and stop you so that I don't feel like a weird... <laughs> Um, no, honestly, the podcast is great. And if I, if I, when I'm a future clinician, it's something I'd easily recommend because it's, it's a community and it's, it's gives real life advice that makes it all of a sudden tangible. Mm. Um, 
it's easy. I mean, I've benefit of kind of seeing both sides of it of being diabetic and being a clinician and <laughs> you kind of, it's very easy to kind of just say, it's very easy to say, Oh, just do this. Cause I knew when I was younger, Oh, I need to test my blood sugar. Right. Um, or, you know, I need to pre this, but I never really, it never really clicked with me until this podcast kind of, I don't know. Well, I'm glad. Yeah. Something clicked, Scott. I can't put my finger on it, but yeah. Let's just say it was me. I, I, yeah, it was it, you. Okay. <laughs> it was all you. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one of the things about the show that, I mean, if you've ever heard me say that my theory about parenting is that it's my job to say the same things a million times without acting annoyed while I'm saying it. So yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, instead of turning to your kids and being like, how many times do I have to tell you to do this? You just say it again in a different way, try to find a more engaging way, um, look for mm -hmm. a different, you know, kind of psychological in. And I sort of see the podcast like that too. You know, like it just, it's sort of like a a daily reminder to pre-bolus and, you know, check out your basil and understand the differences between different food impacts. But the bigger picture, it's a reminder to be engaged and care and, you know, not just the kind of caring that makes you upset because it's not going well, but the kind of caring that makes you look at the reasons why things are happening and make adjustments. And then, you know, how do you make those adjustments? Well, you can't be afraid, you know, you can't feel like, well, I have to wait for someone else to tell me this is okay. Because, you know, if you're waiting for a doctor to tell you how to get your six, five to a six, you're out of your mind. Cause your doctor's going to look at the six, five and go, you're doing great. And that's going to be the end of it. Um, to me, the podcast is just sort of, uh, it's like World War II uh, propaganda radio. <laughs> it's just running in the background, remi reminding you that, you know, Jerry's bad. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a white noise um, that keeps you focused. And I think uh, it's got great information in it. So hopefully it helps you. But can I tell you this, though? I've been dying to yeah. tell somebody this. I, 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 um, I receive a ton of messages. People say that all the time. Most of them are lying. I'm not. Uh, and, um, I got one the other day from a person who said, I saw a graph that you reshared. How did the person do this? And I said, well, I think I responded. I said, I think this person listens to my podcast. They probably listen to these episodes, uh, gain some knowledge and some tools and they put them to work. Um, have you tried listening to the podcast? And they responded, I'm going to get it for you because I'd like to. I'd like it to be a direct. <laughs> you want the quote? Yeah, I don't want to get this wrong. Hold on a second, because I laughed so hard when I saw this. Where is it at? Here it is. <clears throat> uh, have you tried listening to the podcast? She says I have, but it's just boring. Not what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> what <Well>, that? <laughs> <laughs> I think that should that that you could quote that and no. put that on, on oh, the poster. Oh, oh I'm going to make a T-shirt out of it. Yeah. yeah. And so I turned it to my wife, and my wife laughed at me, and she goes, "I don't think she likes you." And I was like, "I don't think so either." She goes, "Do you think she knows it's you she's talking to right now?" I was like, "There's no way to know that," you know. So I responded, and I said, "Okay, well, the person got the tools they needed from the show. I hope you're able to find something helpful that you don't find boring." Happy New Year. Uh, so. 
and, and I didn't hear back from them. Now, I can tell you, I do my best for this not to be boring, but apparently to this person, it is. But here's the thought it got caught in my head. Who cares? It's all right here. Just listen to it and you'll be okay. But the truth is it matters. And it's what I've been saying forever is that you can put the secret to life 45 minutes into a podcast. And if the audio is bad, people won't even make it to it. Forget it if they don't like my voice or my delivery or, you know, think I'm boring or you know, uh, whatever. You, you know what I mean? Like, so this podcast really only helps people who have motivation, drive, and oddly can take me. I mean, you know, I, I talk all the time about my favorite review of the show says the podcast is great. I don't like the guy. Like to me, that's, <laughs> that's amazing. Like you listen anyway, even though you hate me. Like I think of you all the time. The person who leaves that review should know I am delighted constantly by the idea <laughs> that you're forced to listen to me and you don't like me. <laughs> I, I think, well, I, I, I think the way the podcast is structured, I think you're very good at uh, simplifying things sometimes that are very difficult concepts and just kind of humanizing them a bit and making them really applyable. Oh. And so I actually think, as I have to totally disagree with whoever left that review because I, I think, although yeah, although maybe people may may not like you, Scott, I find that hard to believe. But although there may be people out there that don't, I think you are integral because you digest concepts and what people are saying in, and 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 make it. It's very kind of you. I, I will tell you that my best understanding of this is that I'm adopted and was raised by some very blue collar people. I think my mind works on one level and my thinking works on another, if that makes any sense. So mm. I talk like an average hardworking person because that's how I was brought up and it's who I am. Like I've, my jobs before this were not fancy. You know, I've, um, I've uh, cut lawns, worked in a sheet metal shop worked in a bakery, like I've done pretty, you know, regular. You've got the down-to-earth quality. I And I've been surrounded by people who have done those jobs my whole life, and I am one of those people, you know, so I know how mm. to speak in a plain way, mainly because that's just how I speak. But I do think my brain's working, uh, I don't know how to put it, I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself cornered. I, I feel like I'm going to sound like a pompous asshole in a second, and I don't want to. <laughs> but I might be a little, um, I might be a little brighter than my upbringing. Let's say that. Mm. And so I think that's why I can understand it, but I say it in a way that's digestible. If yeah. That, yeah, if that makes sense. Um, so anyway, I'm glad that it found you. I'm super interested in the idea that you were living a fairly unhealthy life as a child, but apparently were focused on being a doctor. Is that right? Isn't it bizarre? Yeah. Isn't it so bizarre? <laughs> I've been waiting to ask you for yeah. like 20 minutes. <laughs> so. I am. Um, I am. Um... <sighs> I think I, I just some I somehow I, I wanted to well I re, I wanted to and the weird thing is I wanted to do medicine because of my experiences with my consultants. It's so bizarre when I say it out loud, but um, I was like, oh, I like this. I like talking to people and I like science and this is kind of a nice mesh of the two. Um, so you, I, it is bizarre. Yeah, so you ahead, see, sorry. you no, no, don't be sorry. You see your consultants as great partners in your health, except honestly, your health wasn't great. So obviously, what they were doing wasn't helping you. In fact, the, yeah. Well, what was what was odd? The the doctor, the doctor that removed me from the pump, later gave me work experience <laughs> in a hospital 
to help me um, with my medical school application. He knew it was you. Uh, yeah, she. Yeah, she knew she it was did. me. She knew it was it, you. It was. It, Look at how sexist um, I am. Just assuming a doctor was a man. Everybody. She always used to, no. Well, it's she always used to say to me. She always used to go, "Well, if you want to be a doctor, you've got to look after your own health." And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's so true, though. It's so it's so it is so true. And and the problem is, I think I was just a horrible, horrible teenager. And if anyone is currently having to deal with a horrible, horrible teenager, I will say that when they leave that teenage phase, they are will be ever thankful for whatever you're doing. Because I, even though I was probably horrible to my parents, um, you know, snapping back at them, saying I've tested my blood sugar, I look back now and I go, you know, um, they got me through. They got me through the difficult times actually with a lot. You know, they did a lot of stuff, and and I did not show my appreciation at the time. Mm. So if anyone's dealing with a teenager right now, just they'll appreciate it in the future. Just hold on. Hold on. <laughs> don't, don't lose your mind quite yet. There's going to don't, be a payoff. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I always joke about, um, uh, like I see a movie trailer for like a movie that's coming out next year that I want to see. And I actually think in my head, well, there's a good reason to stay alive another year. Uh, and you know, like, <laughs> that's the motivation I need to do, uh, do a sit up, take a walk. I want to see, uh, whatever. And, um, sometimes I think about parenting like that too. Like I, I want to live to be older because the day it happens, the day one of my kids rolls into my house and is like, hey, I just wanted to stop by and tell you I appreciate it. I am going to like, it's going to be the best day of my life. It's going to be exactly what you wanted when you went to Arden and asked her what her blood sugar was when she, when she was waiting for the, yeah. the Dexcom to warm up. You'll have that, but a hundred times better feeling. And, and it's going to be my job in that moment not to stand up using my walker and to center myself, <laughs> look her dead in the eye and go, I told you. <laughs> uh, it will happen one day and you'll feel fantastic. <laughs> I am going to do everything in my power not to say I told you so. I'm going to just say, oh, I'm very glad and give her a hug. Uh, you know, but to your point, you know, it takes time. And that this, I mean, listen, I've been doing this a long time. I've spoken to a lot of people in your age range. Your story is not uncommon for people who are just like, I just didn't want to think about diabetes. And so I didn't. And then I lied to my parents about it. And I've had people on here who are, um, there's a gentleman on recently is an older person. He used to lie to his parents back when he had to run like urine strips underneath the water to make it look like his blood sugar was low. Like he was lying mm -hmm. back then too. Like it's, it's not uncommon, right? Um, the, the, the caveat is you got to make it to the part where you figure out you want to be healthy with, enough health to actually live your life. And I've also spoken to those people who figured it out and it was too late for them already. Mm. And that's a, a horrifying conversation to have um, and very real and more frequent than I would like it to be. So your, your health is good. So, yeah. So since all I, I, the way in the, in the UK, we're not look the way the UK funding works is currently at the moment, the Libra, the Libra 2 is what we have in the UK. So if you speak to any most diabetics in the UK, they'll have a Libra 2. Um, the exception being if you're pregnant, you get the Dexcom. Um, or if you have, you can apply for special funding to get the Dexcom. Or, of course, you can pay out of pocket. Right, right. Um, and so with the Libra, I, I think the, the, the reason I mentioned the Libra is that because of the technology of it, I'm, I'm, I love technology. I'm a bit addicted to technology in all the bad ways. And I think it, it just, 
hit a part of my brain and I was like, this is great. Um, and so I started hacking my Libra and um, putting like the, the meow meow on my Libra one. And then I've hacked my Libra two. So currently right now my setup is I have a Libra two, which sends data to my phone to Xstrip. Xstrip then communicates with um, a Android artificial pancreas system. And that then directly communicates to my dash, um, Omnipod dash. Are you using so Android my APS? Yes. Okay. Um, currently, I've, I, I am months in. So I've, this is my third month, second month. How long have they hacked into the dash? Like, okay, just let me do this real quick. Uh, you're using a do-it-yourself system. Um, it's not been FDA approved. Uh, it's not been NHS approved. And somebody has built a, an app that works on an Android phone that's getting, wow, your Libre data through a th- so the Libre is made by that company. You're using the, what do they call it? The Meow Meow? meow? What is it called? Not anymore. No, the Lib- they've hacked the Libre 2, so it directly communicates with the phone. Okay. And and it sends data every minute okay, so, to the phone. It, so for clarity, everything's been hacked. Like, like the... Yes. Okay, right. <laughs> and, um, but how long have they been hacked into the Dash for, I wonder? So the Dash has... Um, so the Dash... They hacked. They hacked it, and then they released it in a beta, November of, of the end of twenty twenty one. November twenty twenty one. And the beauty of the dashes compared to the Eros or other pumps is you don't need uh, a Riley link or anything like that. Yeah, because so it you does can, Bluetooth from the pod. Yeah, so the pod directly communicates with the phone, um, and. And all that, yeah. It's 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 really I I really have hacked everything. So yeah, basically what happens is is um, I don't know who. There's some very clever people that figured it out. Now I know currently it's only in beta, mm-hmm. and so um, it's currently they're they're going to release it. I think in the next month to everyone who uses a it's AAPS. Yeah, the the Android Loop system um, can can access it. I'm, um, I keep wondering how much longer uh, will the, you know, do-it-yourself systems be uh, worthwhile when some of these new uh, systems that the companies are coming up with, like these their next generation stuff is already like has learning functions in it where, mm-hmm. where they're going to start making adjustments based on history. And then that's pretty crazy. You know what I mean? So maybe retail pumping or retail uh, algorithms might actually leap forward beyond the do it yourselves right now. I, I listen, Arden uses loop. So, um, you know, as we're recording this Omnipod five is not available yet, but Arden uses loop currently. And I think it's the best, I think it's the best system I've ever seen. And, you know, will Omnipod five, you know, have a learning aspect to it? I don't even know. I haven't seen it yet, but I do know that control IQ is in, testing with their next version and their next version sounds like it's going to learn and change. So this stuff is really going quickly. It's super exciting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I remember first reading about uh, Android loop and um, it's, it does things. I'm like, how, how, how does it do this? So one of the things it does is every time you put a new um, cannula in, it will see your, your glucose data and then it will go, 
oh, well, this site that you've put this cannula in, for some reason, is a bit more insulin resistant. And it will say on the side, like, oh, you're 20% more resistant. So when you give a bolus, we'll recommend a bit 20% extra because currently this site isn't working as well as we'd like it to. Mm -hmm. Or this site is actually oversensitive and actually we recommend a little bit of insulin. And they're like, how have you worked that out? Like, but it, it has and mm -hmm. it works because I'm getting these, as you experience, these beautifully flat lines when I sleep. And I'm still a bit of a rookie in trying to understand uh, eating with uh, a loop system. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's remarkable. And that Android APS has all the... I could go on all day about it. I find it so fascinating. It has all these settings that you can make it so a phone, a phone that's not the phone that's connected to the pump from anywhere in the world can send a text to the phone that controls the pump and change things of the pump. Mm. Like change, I, I just like, wow, someone, they've really used all the resources here to make diabetes like so much easier. And, and use slightly, them. Yeah, it's yeah. just remarkable. Well, it's funny you just brought that up because Arden just changed her pump like an hour ago. And I just in the last five minutes sent her a text. So I, when we changed the pump, we left the loop open. So not at, not working so that her basal would be consistent because I know she's going to be a little, she's going to need a, an influx of insulin to get past this, you know, this site change. Um, so we did a bolus and left the loop open when we changed it. And I just looked up a few minutes ago and I was like, ah, it didn't work as well as I hoped. And I just told her to use two more units again, because we're trying to get that site working properly mm -hmm. so that we can then close the loop up and let the algorithm start working. It's, um, ah, it's really cool. I, I I'm, I love it all. Like, I, I really do. I think it's all just fantastic. I think that if you took, oh, excuse me, let me take a drink. I'm not sure what happened. I think if you get in a time machine with Omnipod 5 or Control IQ or, you know, Android APS and go find little 10-year-old you and slap all that stuff on you, most of what you experience probably doesn't happen. And yeah. I'm really thinking, as crazy as it sounds, your entire problem was was just testing it was the it was you did not want to test you did not want this thing to be in the way testing was the was the was the bridge too far for you you were like look i'll give myself insulin but i'm not gonna stop before i eat to test my blood sugar i'm not gonna like that was really it for you and all this technology yeah. fixes that problem and i think a lot of it comes from me being a, a grumpy teenager yeah, sure. but i look at it now and and I mean, I, I'm the the Dexcom's probably going to start to be funded on the NHS um, mm -hmm. for everyone, and I probably will jump to the Dexcom when that happens, and you know, because it's I think it's it is more accurate than the Libra Two is, um, but I just I mean my my HbA1c now is um, I'm trying to remember the conversion. I think it's five. It's just tell me four. It, it's um, 40, which I think is 5, 7, 8, five, seven. something like that. Okay. 5.8, I think. That's amazing. Um, I mean, yeah. And on, and on top, you know, on top of all that is the stress of medical school, which complicates these things. But the, 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 it, I, yeah, to this day, I'm still shocked. And I find it really cool that I literally, have a, a device that's constantly tweaking my basal rate to make sure it's, you know, perfect. Yeah. Um, 
that it's not going too high or too low. It's it's really cool. Do you agree with yeah. me that watching the algorithm work teaches you about insulin too? Oh yeah, because I'm like, wait, why is it why is it <laughs> deciding to give you know to increase my basal rate? And I'm like, oh yeah, because it yeah because actually if, if that blood sugar kept on going up, I probably would be rocking a you know one. 190 yeah it's fascinating um, when you watch it just like even make these you know blood i've seen arden's blood sugar be like 87 90 and it's like 11 o'clock at night and it's like bolusing 0.2 0.2 0.4 and i'm like oh my god like you know and it's always it's okay like it, it's one of those things i would have never known to give her insulin there she would have gone up i would have had to wait till my alarm went off at 120 I would have said, oh, okay, she's 120. Then I would have had to use more insulin than the loop ended up using, which may made her low later. And all that just gets avoided because it knows she's heading up and it's trying to stay ahead of it. It's uh, And isn't sleep fantastic? Oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you. No, my life has been changed um, in the last couple of years, most by being able to sleep. Seriously. It, it was a big problem. My daughter had had diabetes for a very long time. I was... I was killing myself, like, at times, you know, with with how I wasn't sleeping. Even when I was doing a great job, there was still, like, that thing where, like, well, she's going to bed now. I'll wait a little longer to make sure it's okay. You know what I mean? You'd have to wake up yeah. sometimes, give a little insulin, give a little juice. And it was just, it was forever. I was, it was killing me. I, I think it's taking me years to bounce back from it. it. It was, I was so beat up from it at times. Um. Anyway, um, how is medical school and diabetes um it's 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 it brings different challenges i mean it's hard to tell of what to compare it to the what the hardest thing i think is which is not exclusive to medical school is probably is the night shifts um because you will have a lovely you have a lovely basal rate all set up and you have you know all your Everything's perfectly set up on your whatever device you're using. And then you decide to um, one day stay up until really, really late, until 8 a.m. And then you drive back home and then you go to bed at 10 a.m. So you stayed up all night. And all those growth hormones or, and all those other hormones that usually get released while you sleep, I'm a bit confused. <laughs> They're like, but we've not really been sleeping. And so I remember the first time I did a night shift, I think three four days afterwards i was like my i just my insulin resistance just shot up mm -hmm. um it's almost like my body was so confused because it went from you know normal nine to five days to now doing 8 p.m to 8 a.m um and then quickly reverting back to a nine to five my body i don't think it was used to it either um, now it's not as bad, and now I have uh, a different basal setup. If I'm, I've got like a basal rate before the days before I'm going into uh, a night shifts, during the night shifts, and then afterwards because everything changes. Wow. Um, so at least for me. It's all, and so the the switching of the shifts is the closest thing I'm seeing to it is a woman getting her period, having those different kinds of weeks of impact and hormones and and like different oh that's really interesting that that's how i kind of treat it yeah i yeah. almost have like i almost have a uh uh a, it's similar to a way that you would you would change you, that women often change their basal rates based on the monthly cycle yeah well wow, i'm changing mine based on my 
my your night monthly shift. cycle. Yeah, just my a, monthly cycle. Yeah, it's just your cycle of of when you're awake and when you're active and when you're thinking and doing things. Yeah, That's because really cool. it's almost like the first the first night. I'm probably I try and stay in bed as long as I can during the the day before mm-hmm. to wake up as late as I can. Um, but then you're of course staying up. I probably wake try and get up at like one p.m. But I'm still then wait going to bed at. 9am the next day and so that's a long that's a long time to be working and be you know awake and yeah. all of a sudden my body's like well, why why are these hormones not being released at this time so I, I basically have to have a different basal rate for that period of time and that i did that by doing basal rate checks during those periods so i was like oh okay for some reason at this time i get crazy insulin resistant and i need to bump this up hmm. um and that's how I just went from there. But uh, like most of these things, it's all trial and error. Um, and it's kind of adjusting and having the confidence to adjust these things. Because, And I think I, I see this with the biggest thing I do when I talk to patients when I've, when I've worked in, in endocrinology is um, there's a lot of – like, like you said, there's a fear of insulin. There really is a fear of insulin. Um, yeah. There's a fear of hypos, and I completely understand that, that fear. Um, but – you won't get your blood sugars down to a range you want them if you're not giving the drug that helps bring those blood sugars down. Yeah. And there's a fear that, that people will go see. I used to do this myself. I'd go see my doctor and my basal rate was that. And then I wouldn't see my doctor for God knows how long. And my basal rate would stay the same. But my body's not sat there going, oh, well, we can keep this basal rate the same. Yeah. My, my body was changing, changing and growing and... You know, and then I'm wondering why things aren't right. You know, so having the confidence to go right, my blood sugar rises in the evening. Well, you know, this could be due to multiple things, but I probably just need more insulin around this time. Mm-hmm. Be that, you know, a different carb ratio or um, more basal insulin. You know, um, yeah. I, I'm telling you, the one of the things that I learned first. Uh, back when my daughter's day once he was higher and I didn't know what I was doing is that the fear I had of insulin had to go away. Like everything else that I could see that seemed like reasonable steps, I, I couldn't get to any of them without getting rid of the fear. So, you know, to me, that's, that's step one. And my best bet, you know, based on everything I've learned and seen and written about and talked about is that you get your basal right first. And that at least should keep you from having those low drifts and like, you know, constantly being low all day. Um, it should help with your meal insulin. Then it gives you time to figure out how to balance out the meals and, and get them working better uh, so that you're not spiking and not getting low later. But if you're afraid of the insulin, none of that's possible. It's just it's because you're constantly in a state of like, oh, I don't want to do this. It doesn't seem right. I don't want to change this. And you're a million percent right. Like it, as you're growing or becoming, even as it gets colder outside, you become more sedentary. It gets warmer outside. You start moving around more. All of these things change your insulin needs. And we all just act like, oh, you know, the guy told me this is my basal rate. It's going to stay like this forever. And that's not even true. I mean, you watch the algorithm work. That's not even true sometimes hour to hour. You, you know? Yeah. Let alone yeah, and I week. remember when, I, when you reversed, I mean, my basal rate was the same constantly throughout the day when I, when I used to be on the pump when I was younger. Um, and I look back and now and I go, I mean, it may have been right at the time. We don't know. I wasn't testing my blood sugar. But <laughs> um, 
I look now and I go, that surely couldn't have been right because, at least for me, there may be people out there that have a flat base of it all, all the time, but for me, mine, mine changes throughout the day from when I'm waking up from a, from a weekend to a weekday. But it's having the, and the problem is you'll never have enough time with a doctor to work out every single scenario in your life um, never as it ever, as it changes yeah especially as you're growing up when you're young you know um and so actually having the gaining the confidence um to be like i'm, I'm quoting you now i'm bold with insulin there you go <laughs> <laughs> to be bold with insulin, i feel so cliched saying it i didn't even but say honestly, it on purpose so don't worry about it <laughs> but honestly to be bold with insulin is is what you need to be able to do because then you can it gets to the point where I go, I remember going to my, I had an appointment with a, a, one of my a diabetic nurse and I called her and she looked at my, my HbA1c and she went, um, Oh, that's, that's, I mean, you're, you're so, your HbA1c is so low. And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she went, and um, she went, Oh, you, you're like, you're, you're not even, you wouldn't even show up as diabetic. And I laughed and went, yeah, yeah. And then she goes, you might want to raise it a little bit. And I went, what? Why? I remember questioning. She, this is the thing. I think she was so <laughs> she was so confused. <laughs> she was like, "But usually, when I talk to patients, it's not that low." I think she got worried that um, it was it was something so, had to have been so, wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember she's going, "Are you just constantly running in a hypo?" And I went, "No, that would that would be horrible." <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but that I was able, like, to get to that point, you have to just be out, like, you have to. And the thing is, what's annoying is, I look back at myself and I go. I knew my blood sugar was always high in the evening, but I remember I would just sit and watch it get higher and I'd have to treat a high blood sugar. It's almost like I knew it was coming. I knew this high blood sugar was coming Mm -hmm. and I'd just sit and I'd wait for this high blood sugar. And I was chasing these high blood sugars, even though I knew they was coming. And I just needed to go, right, I know I'm going to go high. I get high every evening at this time. I, I, I need more insulin at this time. But for some reason, that's that sounds so simple. I, it's just I think the fear maybe yeah. I I had um, stopped well, me from doing that. Well, Thomas, here's the here's the truth: the fear that I had of the insulin wasn't as strong as the fear I had of my daughter being unhealthy. So mm. I basically just took one fear and overpowered the other one with it, and then that proved to me I didn't have to be afraid of the first thing. I'm still afraid of the second thing. Like, I still don't want anything bad to happen to my daughter. So when I see a blood sugar that most people are like, oh, it's cool. Like, after dinner, 140, I'm like, wow, what did I do wrong? Like, I, you know, like, we got to stop this. Like, I'll let it go a little bit to make sure that it wasn't just a a simple timing thing that it's not going to come back. But I wouldn't stare at a 140 any more than I would stare at a 300. Like, the reason I don't see 300 is because I don't stare at 140. And, Mm. you know, it's just sort of, it's mindset. And for me, the mindset is your blood sugar is supposed to be, if, if my daughter didn't have in, uh, diabetes, her blood sugar would be somewhere between 65 and maybe 140, you know, on the high side, maybe 160. If she had three slices of pizza or, you know, uh, six handfuls of rice or something like that with Chinese food. Um, but that, that's got to be the goal. And you can't just look at 160 after Chinese food for seven hours and go, it's okay. People's blood sugar goes up to 160 after Chinese food. Yeah, it does. Not for that long. So, you know, if if I've worn a CGM, I've, I've pressed myself and driven my blood sugar to like into the 160s. 
and it'll go up and hang there for a couple hours. But then as soon as the pizza was gone out of my system, it was down again quickly. You know, it didn't linger for five, six, seven hours. And the problem with that becomes it's sort of like you just get lulled into a comfort zone. You're like, oh, you know, you know, I know my blood sugar best case scenario is between this range, but it's only 150. And then you get used to 150, which then makes you okay with 160. It's like gaining weight. It's like I only gained three pounds. It's fine. I'm only up 10 pounds. It's no big deal. And then you reset and you go, oh, I'm only up three pounds. Well, yeah, you're only up three pounds since you gained 10 pounds. Now you're up 13 pounds. <laughs> you know, like your, your brain, your brain starts making excuses for you along the way. And that's yeah. how people's blood sugars then end up at 200 all the time. They go, it's fine. It's only 100 pounds higher than it's supposed to be. That's not bad. 100 is a pretty relatively low number. It could be 300 points higher. So it's only 100. And that's how you trick yourself out of it. It's your cognitive something. I forget the word. I didn't go to college, Thomas. So I don't know everything. <laughs> I, I think um, it, I was at that point as well. I was having, I, I, I remember going, oh, I, a blood sugar of um, 175. I was like, oh, that's good. Because... You know, I was taught when I first became a diabetic that between um, 70 and 180 was good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, anything but, you know. And yeah, below 180 is, is fun. and of course it depends where you are in your diabetes journey, I guess. But um, to me, it was like, oh, I had one reading below 10 that was good, but actually most of the time I was already above 10. And that's because I got so adjusted to... I, you know, I'd wake up and my blood sugar would be like 21 on the rare time that I tested it when I was younger. And um, I'd just give a load of insulin and, you know, get on with my day. Yeah. And I got so, I got so used to that. I got so used to this kind of, that, 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 that when I was actually on the high side of good, you know, 175-ish, that that, I realize I'm I'm darting back and forth between American and British convert. Um, You're rates fine. There. I'm following you. I'm, yeah. I actually what I did actually what I did is I, I listened to the podcast and I'm going what's what's you know what's one eighty a blood sugar one eighty that would be I'd be dead because of course the highest my blood my meter can read is thirty three yeah <laughs> um, so a hundred and whoa but um, I actually then changed all my devices to the American system so you could beca- roll with me. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. But also that. because wait, wait, I actually I found the American system to be slightly more tangible for for my brain. Okay. I don't know why. I found that the range of seventy to one eighty worked worked better with me than I think it was because in my head I'd see a blood a blood sugar of one, you know, two hundred and 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 that's to me same, probably seems higher than it actually is. Or two hundred's yeah. oh. really high. Because oh, to see. me two hundred sounds like twenty, which is a high which is 20 converted over is about oh, um, 380, I think, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're using, you're tricking yourself, but in a, in a good way. In a good way. Yeah. And I know it's, and I mean, this way, I'm not necessarily advising this for anyone. It may work, it may not. But when I switched it over, my blood sugar range almost just became tighter. It, it was so bizarre. It was almost like, it was because I was having to think about the blood sugars a lot more. Hmm. I didn't know what 100 meant. Um. Yeah. I had to um, oh, have to break it down. I had, yeah, I had to go. Oh, okay, okay, that's good. Yeah, okay, that's good. And there's a flat and there's a flat arrow there. That's good. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. But when it was like, okay, it's it's one eighty, 
and it's got an upwards arrow. Okay, well, what's 180? Okay, that's not as good. Right. That's- and so it, it kind of reframed it. I think I got so used to being blase feather. Actually, for me, switching the system over helped. Helped you just think. It, it sounds like what it did was it took you out of reality for a second and just made you focus on your diabetes for 30 seconds. It got me out of my own habit in a very bizarre way. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Um, well, I, um, I have a list here of uh, the top 50 cognitive biases. And I'm, <laughs> I'm working hard on getting uh, a professional, someone who can speak on them thoughtfully to break them down into small episodes. Because I think that um, the way people's minds work are some of the reasons why they, they falter with their diabetes care. So I'm going to try to add yeah. this to the podcast at some point. Just little things like confirmation biases. and But there's way more than just the ones you've heard about on TV. There's a lot of things your brain does to you that that stops you from being successful so uh i'm gonna see if i can't mix some of those into the show because uh, you know i've already been playing by the way you didn't like you didn't just make me think of that i've been planning this for a while but i bring i take no responsibility on on how that that that's you know a section of podcasts that you may create goes that's all on you in case it doesn't go well you don't want to see one of those reviews i mean thomas ruined the podcast with his ideas Uh, but that actually sounds really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds really interesting. No, I, I, know, I just really, like, I tried to, like, I, I tried to sneak in an episode about sunk cost fallacy last year. And I was like, I wonder if people listen to this. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, there, there's just a lot of ways that your brain gets in your own way. And, um, and it's, you know, it, it's, if you recognize it and see it coming, you might have a chance of, uh, of not doing it. I mean, you don't see it any more and more obviously in, in, in modern culture than in social media where, you know, someone says something and, um, you know, you see somebody have a crazy hard reaction to it, but another person will read it, and not see it the same way. Um, mm. but the same thing's been said. So it's, it's often your perspective that's stopping you from taking something in or understanding it the way it's intended. Um, and you can fix that. So anyway, mm. we'll see. Uh, the only other thing I've, I have left that I need to tell you is that I love the picture from your Facebook page. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> the one where I'm in snow. No, no, the one the where one? you're in a crowd of people in a club. Oh, <laughs> that one, yes. I don't know how you um, got that photo, but it's fantastic. I was in, I study, I, I study at the University of Leeds, which is um, a, a, a city in north of England in the county of Yorkshire. And uh, there's a club called, I can't believe I'm saying this, it's so bizarre. There's a club called Fruity. And that's the club I'm at. And there's a cameraman who is at the front of this stage. And I think I remember, uh, um, as, as you probably, the picture, I'm um, I'm not sober in that picture. Oh, I don't I know if that's clear I, to I tell. Can't imagine, I can't imagine you would be. <laughs> but there's something about the perspective. It's almost as if you were the only person in a crowd of people who leapt upwards. and so And so they all appear to be like you, I can almost imagine the people as water and you popping out of the water, if that makes sense. And it's like you've, it's like you've, you've broken through. You can feel the sunshine, and you're like, I'm, I'm above the whole thing for a second. And that, and the photo is just caught in that moment. And it's, it's, it's really great. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting picture. I love it. I've gone. I'm blushing now. I'm blushing now. You're Maybe blushing because I, I think your photo is interesting. Stop it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love how your mind thinks. You didn't care when you were killing yourself. <laughs> but Yeah, exactly. What? I have such a weird, weird mind. Such a weird, weird mind. Any other autoimmune stuff in your life or in your family? Uh, my mum has hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. Hashimoto's um, or just hypothyroidism? Just hypothyroidism. Okay. A- a- apart from that, nothing exciting. Okay. No, that's <laughs> nothing- fine. No, I, just, I just like to ask. Um, I find a lot of, uh, it's just interesting that you find a lot of people here in America whose roots tie back to where you live who have autoimmune stuff. So I, I, I was just interested if like yeah. everyone in your, in your family line is stricken or, you know. <laughs> no, just my, just my mother. None of us can um, digest bread, Scott. <laughs> I remember listening to one of your podcasts. Maybe I misheard this wrong, but wasn't there some link between the, the coating on pans? Oh, uh, and... we, I was talking to Addie, uh, uh, Dr. Benito, about thyroid stuff. And she brought up just kind of off the top, uh, just out of nowhere, that she won't use nonstick pans. And I was like, ooh, me either. <laughs> and, she's, and she started talking <laughs> about the chemicals. And I was like, I sound like a hippie all of a sudden, which obviously, Thomas, I am not. Um, but I just there are certain things that make sense to me. And coating metal with a chemical and then making it really hot and then touching your food to it has never made sense to me. I don't know if I'm right or wrong. It just throughout my life, I just use stainless steel pans. They're harder to clean, and I don't care. So um, it just—I don't know if I'm right or wrong. I could be—I could be out of my mind. It's just—it's one of those things that didn't—it didn't make sense in my mind. Like, why would I heat up chemicals and then rub my food? And on? then, yeah, it, and and when you say it like that, it uh, is making me want to throw all of my nonstick pans in the bin. <laughs> it just—it is weird, actually. There's a substance on there that stops my food sticking. Yeah, right. <laughs> And isn't it a, uh, anyway, that I could go down? My, you know, my you know when the um, uh, the venom gets on the Spider Man. To me, it oh, seems yes. like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end with this. Why are your people taking all of our superhero roles in movies? Can they? Can you just stay over there? Like, what? What's going on? How come every time I see a character in a movie, he talks like me, and then when I hear him in an interview, he's like, talks like you. Like, what, what's going on? Like. There's a lot, is and from my understanding, I think Superman, Henry Cavill's British. He is. And the Spider Tom, Boy is British, right? Tom Holland's British. Oh my God, and, Arden, uh, awesome. Have you seen the new Spider Man? It was fantastic. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I'm not I'm trying not to say too much. No, I loved it. It was um, so good. Um I it was fan, it was fantastic, but I don't want to spoil it at all. No, of course. Um but um yeah, so yeah, Tom Holland is was British, and I think the guy who played Spider Man before him, Andrew Garfield, I think he's half British. Yeah, we're everywhere. Right. Oh yeah, and yeah, because Doctor Strange is British. Uh huh. Keep going. Oh come on, my brain's working right. here. Yeah. And someone else in that yeah. film is oh, British. Trust Everyone's me, there's British. A, there's a ton of people. I'm just saying, you guys, like, I mean. Loki, I know Lo, Lo, the guy who plays Loki's British. Right. Yeah, we're everywhere, yeah, and I do right. apologize. Yeah, it's not your fault. I'm um, just saying, like, I, slow down. <laughs> <laughs> we just, do you know? Do you know what? I, I, I do you know? This is a thing that I think, uh, as a, as a British person, and I, and I listen to, I listen to Americans, and I go, wow, their voices are so cool. Like your vo- your accents are just so. Really, and maybe. Yeah, and maybe you've maybe it's the same way that maybe I think my accent is is terribly boring. Um, I your accent, I hear them like, 
that just sounds so cool. It's, it's that idea. I think if I went to if I went back to America, I'd uh, I feel like I'd um, I feel like everyone would be fascinated by my voice. But actually, I think it's the other way around. I think the American accent is so. And the, yeah, and the I, different it's, variations. It's so just bizarre. wherever you come from, you want something else. Because in my mind, I sound like I have a like a bucket full of bolts in my head for a brain, and you sound and you sound elegant. Oh, I'm I'm I know well, I know nothing see? about this world. <laughs> well, you don't have to. You don't have to know anything to sound good. Listen, to <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you right now. I think part of my success in podcasting is just that I have a deep voice. I think your voice sounds. It's. <laughs> I gotta be careful. I'm gonna sound like I'm flirting with no, you. Go here. ahead. I'll take it. Your vo- your your voice is like deep, boomy, but it's good. It's uh, it, it's good for it's good for radio. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, and I probably and don't is, even sound like this in person. I have no idea. I can't hear myself. This yeah. is where we find out that you actually put a filter on your voice. I am not. I'm actually... not changing my voice at all. No, I mean I am. I'm speaking into a, an incredibly expensive microphone, um, and it's very high quality. Uh, but I'm not. Like, I mean, I, I use a couple of digital items to take my voice through an analog microphone microphone and have it picked up digitally on a computer. I don't have any, like, great setup. You'd be surprised. I have almost no overhead. Actually, when I do my taxes at the end of the year, my accountant says to me, like, do you not have any bills associated with this podcast? And I was like, no. He's like, there's nothing we can write off. I'm like, it's just me and that microphone, man. I don't really need much else. And I was like, once in a while, like, I, I have to buy computers and things like that, but there's no one to like. There's no employees to pay, or I don't have. To, I don't need an office. Like I don't have any costs that are associated with it. I just have this very expensive microphone. So, um, but it it works a dream. There was this is probably way too much information, but I remember I'm I'm someone who often sometimes listens to podcasts before I sleep, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know why. I, it was the um, I think it was the Pro Tip series. I mean, I'd listened to it probably hundreds of times before. But I was like, I'm just going to play this before I go to sleep. And then there's like a month where I just, every night, I would put on a pro tip and fall asleep. And I don't know, a bit of me was like, maybe if I constantly listen to this while I'm sleeping, that actually it will get into my brain even more. Like yeah. I remember every word of it. And then it will, it will be so easy to apply to my day-to-day life because it's like ingrained in my mind. I hope that works. I think, there's <laughs> a, I think that's how I, um, all right, I'll leave you with this. But first I'll tell you that when I, before I was married, I used to sleep with cello music, but my wife won't let me do it. So I can, I'm not allowed to do it anymore. Um, oh. <laughs> but just, just unaccompanied cello music is how I used to like to sleep. Anyway, um, wow. I'm a senior in high school. I'm taking a psychology class. I um, am incredibly bored by the class. I do not like the teacher. And I it must hit in that time in the afternoon when people are sleepy um, also we've learned now as I've gotten older, I may have had like an iron deficiency a lot of my life. So I'll blame that a little bit, but I would get to this class every day and despite my best effort could not stay awake in this class. So I would come in every day, put my head down on the desk and go to sleep. I didn't do the classwork. I was failing this class horribly. It didn't matter. I already had enough credits to graduate. It, I, I never once thought about it. Um, we come in one day towards the end of the of the term. I think this was like a half year class and we're going to take the final exam. So it's the final exam, but in the middle of the year and I come in and I think, okay, the the final exam. And I put my head down and I go to sleep. And a couple of minutes later, a friend of mine named Mike, who I don't even know anymore, but 
uh, Mike, if you're out there, I enjoyed going to high school with you. He reached over and shook me. And I remember him saying, don't you think you should at least take the final? And I was like, it makes sense. So I sat up and I hammered my way through the final exam. Well, the next day we came in, last day of class, and the teacher is handing the final exams back out. And he's going to go over the grading. And he looks angry. Like, Thomas, I'm not kidding. The man seems pissed. Like, somebody kicked his dog and cheated on him with his wife and the whole thing, (laughs) right? Um, And then, no kidding. Uh, Hold on a second. My wife is like, you have to stop recording now. I need your help. Um, So, anyway, he's super pissed. And he gets up to the front of the room. He leans on his desk in absolute defeat and says... Does anyone want to guess who got the best grade on the final? <laughs> and I'm such a, listen, I'm just going to say, it, I can be such a dick sometimes. I raised my hand. And I was like, was it me? <laughs> and he goes, it was. And he put his head down almost like he had wasted his entire life. Do you know what I mean? Like he was like, why did I do this? Why do I think teaching is important? Why did I go to college? This kid's, I, I'm not like, I'm not overblowing this. I slept every day. I did not listen to anything. This So I said, maybe I just learned it in my sleep. Is that called osmosis? And he goes, I don't think that's what it's called. I'm like, I probably <laughs> just learned it in my sleep. And we all laughed and I got a B plus and everyone else did worse than me on that test. So maybe you wow. are learning diabetes while you're sleeping. You ruined that man's life, Scott. You <laughs> you made that man think that his his whole career was worthless. I felt it very strongly in that moment. Like I, I, I was like, Oh God, I bet she's not a teacher anymore. Like, I mean, try to imagine seriously every day he shows up and does this thing with this high minded idea that he's going to educate people. And the one person who didn't pay a lick of attention to him. And by the way, I never read anything. It's not like I went home and taught it to myself. It was just psychology. It was like high school psychology is common sense kind of, you know? So I just like, I don't know, man. I just, I'll, I'll remember that forever. Anyway, <laughs> fantastic story i'm so sorry to jump off um uh, quickly for you but i i do have to go no that's absolutely fine cool a huge thanks to thomas for coming on the show and sharing his story and i'd also like to thank dexcom and omnipod for sponsoring this episode don't forget you may be eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out. Also, you may be eligible for a three 30-day trial of the Omnipod Dash. Omnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Don't forget, if you're a U.S. citizen, head to T1DExchange.org forward slash juicebox. Take the survey. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. <laughs>